Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is stand-up comedian, actress, writer, and producer. It's Ali O'Rourke. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Yay, we got through it. We got through it. Fourth time. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so good to have you here. Also, on the actress point, I didn't really want to be an actress. That was accidental. Uh, you know, I played the role of man for 26 years, so I was kind of done <laughs> pretending to be other people. But then I wrote a movie and the main character in it was this trans woman who skateboards and does stand-up comedy. And I was like, ah, shit, I can't cast somebody else in that role. <laughs> you picked a really cool topic. Well, I, I never expected to come up on Juvenalia because it is slightly more recent. Please tell us what it is. Yeah, it's a more modern one, I guess. Um, and we're kind of using a bit of a loophole. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to talk about the Chris Geddard show. With you. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the loophole is that I am trans and I found it during second puberty. Uh, (laughs) I didn't grow tits till I was 26. So I get to do things 10 years later. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Cool. Loopholes are perfectly legitimate for the show, I think. For sure. I feel like this this show has a vibe to it that feels like it's from an older time than it is. It sort of exists out of space and time. I feel like it's, it it was, what, what were the air dates on it again? comparatively recent but it feels like it might have been 1994 or some shit like it looks like that yeah know? it's definitely got like certain 90s MTV vibes yeah absolutely yeah. and I think it was seeking that, those right it was trying to go for that yeah it was people who were raised on that mm. like recreating it 20 years later essentially mm. yeah it's, I guess you should probably like tell us what the Chris Gettard show is for anybody who isn't familiar so the Chris Gettard show I've heard it described like this a few times the Chris Gettard show is this alternative late night stand up show or late, late night um like late night show, mm. you know, uh, but uh, it has it's hosted by Chris Geddard. But as he likes to say, his name's on it, but he has no control of what's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. So they have like all these different alternative premises, depending on the guests and stuff. Um, it had a real weird start to it because it was basically Geddard had Chris Geddard had um, been picked to do a sitcom on Comedy Central and it failed and like got cancelled after six episodes. Oh, oh, that's a, that's not a very long time at all. That was a very short time. That's a very short, yeah, a lot of big names like Will Ferrell uh, produced and all this jazz. So it was it like, really he was meant to be the next big thing and then career was just in the doldrums because it failed and instead of moving to LA like he should have, he decided he would do a public access show. Which, you know, I think is grade A career move right there. So. Oh, yeah, it's definitely yeah. a choice. Because <laughs> he has written about, like, the choice to say in New York and stuff, and that it is legitimately something that comedians should not do if they actually want to have a career. They should move to LA as soon as they can, but he has chosen to stay in New York. I think it might be a Vulture article he wrote about it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he's like, like, New York art punky guy, and it's in his blood. It's kind of, I don't think he could move to LA, I think. I think it's kind of the show was his, excuse to stay in New York rather than like what you those two places are so different they are so Mm. different the people are so different the vibe is so different and the art that comes out of both of those environments Mm. is so different I cannot I get I get it that not going down to pursue the big lights of Hollywood is actually a a fairly serious cornerstone also New York chews people up and spits people out Mm. so if you choose to stand by that city and that life like you fucking want to love it. <laughs> like, you want to love it, you know? You really want to be... Like, it's weird, because I've done stand-up in both places. And mm. it's a very... Like, what you can even say is so different. You know mm. what I mean? And it's very... How people react to you, specifically as a trans comedian, they react totally different in New York. So in New York, it's kind of like, so what? In LA, they're nearly afraid to laugh at certain jokes. 
if you curse there, they get weird. California mm. don't like swearing. They you don't. Know? No. And I mean, I'm a dick joke comedian. Like yeah. I'm trans, so they're subversive, <laughs> but they're still a dick joke comedian. So California I do not fly there. They're weirdly pure. They're weirdly puritanical. I think you know, good people, but they they flinch a little bit. I think it's the Irish sensibility thing. Sometimes they're not that difficult to shock across the board. You know what I mean? Whereas New Yorkers are. Um, this is such East Coast West Coast stereotyping. But like they're hard as nails. They sit, they're disaffected. Do you know what I mean? It's pretty hard, I'd say, to shock anyone who lives in New York yeah. at this stage, you know? And I mean, I think the other show particularly shows that up. It's just because it's just such a weird mashup of characters mm. often found on the street that mm. get dragged into this weird little comedic universe. So you just see it, like you can really see it in that. Like that show could not have been made anywhere else. Like you have the likes, yeah, there was this character Mimi on Mimi on the hoops they called her there was just mm. this like six-year-old woman who would come in and hula hoop in the background she just showed up three episodes in they just let her stay mm. and like the show eventually did 100 episodes in four seasons on cable and she came along to all of them like, yeah it's it's just a bizarre bizarre show he's really really open-hearted and egalitarian about who he lets on the show like there's in, in the early car the ones there's a there's this girl called random karen who turned up and he never met her and like she just turns up with a random object and just sits in the panel every episode. He never doesn't know her. They never talk outside of the show, but she's there every single episode. That's lovely. But yeah. it, it started off, I think, random Jean. They like Jean, sorry, yeah, yeah. random Jean, Jean yeah. who who's very divisive in the Getter Tag <laughs> community. Yeah, oh, people. Are, what did she do? Was she stuck around? I don't. It's just people. Don't. I think the word random has you know aged. Yeah, it's aged yeah. badly. Yeah, I think it was like. She showed up at a random, but like she didn't really know what the show was. She just didn't fit the vibe. So she mm. kind of like no butting everything in a very improv scene kind of thing where everybody's yes and in. Mm. So I think it kind of like put people off that she just, you know, she was trying to always be the funniest rather than playing with others, mm. which is a bit mean. I know she got a little bit of hate off people, but she's actually, I'm sure, a nice person. But like she started a weird tradition then because she stuck around for like every sort of, I can't remember what the period is, it like eight episodes or something? They get a new random. Oh. They get a new person who just joins the cast. And like some of them stick around. Like uh, there's a guy, Messenger Bike, who started off as Random Andrew and then he'd end up playing in the house band. And people just, like he dragged people in. There was this guy who used to always show up in a fucking banana costume to the shows. Very New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the first time I saw this show, right, at my friend's band, like a uh, uh, band called uh, Little Waste, which is like weird trans fronted band had great songs like i want to be a dyke wife cop stole my lipstick you know like very cool band but there i was like oh i couldn't find much of their stuff outside of Bandcamp, but i found one video of them on youtube and it's on this show oh, and i'm just like it. it's just a clip of them playing on the i'm like what is this hipster bullshit <laughs> i'm never watching this again <laughs> and then and then and then, and then it gets the hooks into you so I think I had a, a, fun, a fundamental misunderstanding for a long time about what the Chris Gethard show was. And this morning I received a very, very comprehensive education on what it was from my husband who loves it. And I had no idea that it started out as this deeply egalitarian, like everyone just come in and do this weird shit vibe. Mm. That is like, Jesus Christ, that's good shit. Like, just come in yeah. and let's do this weird show together and let's have a band on. You know, I think the second episode kind of set the template for it because the first episode was kind of more traditionally chat showy, I think. And the second episode, they were double booked, didn't have time to do any setup. Mm. But it was like, we'll just go in anyway and just see what happens. And there was like just eight of them. And you can see all the cameras moving in and out of each other's things. And nobody's in the cameras properly. And there's no actual proper backdrop or anything. And they just made a show out of it. And you can see him. He's not 
he develops as a host really quickly because I kind of bit, bit through the first like 25, 30 episodes. By episode like eight, he's already like introducing things properly. Right. If you, if you listen to like episode one of Juvenalia and now Juvenalia. No. You can, exactly, <laughs> you know? And it's, but he does that like super quickly. Like my episode eight, he has like John Mulaney is on there with him well, as he, the guest. You like, got to think like yeah. his access to talent is un- mm. unbelievable. That's he, New York as well though. Like, you know, yeah. a tiny world. Like, is oh, he from U- like a family UCB or something? Yeah. Oh, it's he, UCB. He's, yeah, yeah. he's early days UCB. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, like he was very early into the UCB back when it was like, like, he signed up and it said on the website, we will teach you spit takes and guerrilla warfare. And like, mm. that's all the information they gave on the courses. Yeah. And it's like, and like the guy he rang up was fucking John Ross Bowie or what's, you know, the guy from Big Bang Theory. Like he's a famous comedic actor now. And he was just happened to be on the phones. And it was just, and he recognized him from a punk band mm. from New Jersey that he was a fan of. And they just like dragged him into a chorus then. And he was like 19. So yeah. like, you got to th- think about like his contemporaries in the improv world because he was one of the best improvisers in New York. And particularly, he was a very good, what they call an improv, an editor. Whereas he's the guy who's kind of pulling the strings. But like he knows when to end the scene. He knows mm-hmm. that. Which you look at that skill set, you really see it, especially in the more chaotic episodes like One Man's Trash. He, he looks like he's not in control, but he actually is in control. And just like weaving this ma- mad web of crazy characters and weird premises i think that takes a lot of um i think i've seen people do that and i feel like i'm looking at a magician do you know like there's so much listening involved improv is terrifying to me as a sport like that is a full <laughs> body i would rather go and, and i was in youth theater um obviously <laughs> sorry in case anyone fucking had any questions about that um but I would rather uh, step into a UFC ring armed with a stick with a couple of nails in it than perform in yeah. I would feel more confident with my uh, ability to get away um, morally unscathed or like, um, I, yeah, I'd rather take the broken face than the shame that would follow me uh, from the abject failure that improv would it, it put upon me. So I think people who can do it well are magicians. I just, I have just no idea how it works up there at all. Yeah. Uh, to quote MCR, improvisers scare the living shit out of me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're just, they're, they're just so vulnerable with each other. Whatever about Jesus. like, like <laughs> in a stand-up content, riffing or coming up or stuff or crowd work, that's fine. But like doing it with other people, mm. is just like, and having to be nice to other people. It's, like, it's all that oh, trust shit, you know? No, like, I'm too broken. <laughs> so I'm a stand-up comic. <laughs> like it's a, it's, it's, um, it is about trusting people and I think that's where you get the sort of culture right of the UCB thing mm. from a distance that like it's just a bunch of really brilliant young people who all manage to be hilarious together and there's this sort of fiction of kindness or or or, or whatever among them you know and, or, or mutual support because mm. you have to support each other on the stage you know you can't be like you see it in American context particularly not so much in an Irish context but the audience are into it as well like there's that mm. same thing as with like audiences are so much more generous improv audience are much more generous to the performers mm. where in comedy you could, especially in Ireland you walk on stage and Irish crowd will go fuck you <laughs> prove you're funny like you know you're you not you have like, exactly half a second yeah. to charisma me yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're all funny you know that's what we all think we all Irish people always think we're all funny and yeah. if, if you think you're special because you're standing on a stage you've got to prove it like oh sure look it's a like I feel like I'm cringing even thinking of it it's just such a scary um 
it's death sports. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You always see like the stereotype of like an American stand like walking on stage and was talking about what happened to them that day in a really casual way and you could not do that on an Irish stage. Mm-mm. You need to have jokes written and mm. know what you're talking about. Yeah. American audiences want to listen to a friend to someone talking to them. That's yeah, really ASMR basically. Yeah. Charming ASMR. It's the cadence of jokes whereas Irish people they actually get Irish people are funnier than Americans yeah. kind of so. Sharper. Yeah. yeah. And meaner. Yeah. Irish people also all think they can do it as well. They have the ego. Yeah. They all think I could, I could do that. But then they never do. No. They, they don't want to, like, you know, that's notiony. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah. Like, stand up comedy <laughs> is the most notiony, notiony yeah, thing yeah. you could do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was a spoken word performer, which is probably on par. <laughs> <laughs> retired. Uh, very retired. Very retired. But I, uh, I do think there is something about that. Whereas in a social setting, Irish people will sit around and tell you the jokes and there'll be like a lovely atmosphere of laughter and trust. Whereas you put a stage into that. Yeah. You're elevating yourself. Literally elevating yourself. And that is how you do, that is how you get that real weird tension where it's like, oh, look, she thinks she's fucking brilliant. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's the great thing about the Getter show is that mm. it eliminates that line between the audience and the performers. Even the way it's laid out, right? He's actually so, the lowest point in the set. Ah, often, like, yeah. where, where his actual seat is. Yeah. It's kind of like amphitheatery kind of yeah. style. But like like the human fish will be up in a rafter. Murph will be up a few steps or in the band is up from him as well. Shannon is often on a higher chair than him. Mm-hmm. You know? He really does flatten it all out. And do you know that like wrangling all those people live and doing phone-ins. Ringmaster. It's like panic attack time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like it's, I feel like the quick answer, it feels like anybody's into alternative comedy and they see like a little H on like now if I did a show it'd be like this and you see the press Chris Gatrick show and go oh he's done it that's that's what we all think the show we want to make is going to be it's going to be that one yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. we all have notions of doing a Gatrick show <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but that's the weird thing because I started comedy well I started comedy out of spite because I went to the laughter <laughs> lounge on a free ticket and some yeah. guys started doing Nazi jokes like fuck you I'm funnier than you uh, so I signed up to open mic and two mm. weeks later I found out that I'm not but uh, I'm slowly getting there uh, spite is, is a great motivator it, I find uh, yeah. it's the best it's the best motivator you wake up every day feel spiteful and get moving like that's how I yeah. work but know? I'd spent like the previous few years watching the Gettard show so I thought like, oh yeah, I'll come into the scene and just like, we'll all make weird shit together. And everyone was like, no, what are you, what are, what are you doing? <laughs> so I've been like last like four years of doing stand-up, just trying to build a, like a scene like that, which is fun. Like, and we're getting there, like a great, great friend and stuff. Yeah. But that's the most important thing. I had that with very brief, and scenes live and die, right? Like yeah. scenes are born and then they expand and are beautiful and then... People things change people move people emigrate it's like, Dublin people it's definitely Dublin. emigrate people yeah. definitely you emigrate you lose your venue and um, I remember oh my god you lose your fucking venue like I, it, yes literally you lose your venue like I, I uh, ran a show for years and our venue closed down and um, a monthly show for two and a half years and it was lovely it was a spoken word and storytelling show and um, it was really fabulous and running a show was something that was like a big part of my personality and big part of like my community meant a lot to me you know mm. like have seeing all these motherfuckers like a bunch of times a month and all of our internal nonsense it was it was very important and hosting a show this is more muppet stuff hosting mm. a show play the music light the lights like that was a really important thing to me so i think getting into comedy in order to foster community and to find funny people and to seek joy is fucking honorable do you know it's better than being like i'm right well you can also be like i'm right fuck you <laughs> i'm gonna stand on the stage and tell you all how right i am that's also fine and legitimate and hilarious but i think there's something really gorgeous about like being like okay well this doesn't fit me so i'm gonna build something that does you know 
I agree with everything you say, but also don't put comedians on a pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're like doctors who cure cancer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sad <laughs> cancer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorrow cancer. But you know what I mean? But like, it's a, I, I, don't, I wouldn't even say comedians specifically. I mean, just people who try to build build communities you know, or scenes around yeah. themselves, you know, because like, and that whole putting on a show, no matter what kind of show you put on, like, I don't know. I think that's old. That's old human shit, I think. You know, I think it's really interesting with the Getter show in general, though, is like because they did an episode uh, about 70 episodes in called Why Did You Stop Watching? Where they mm. all the cast and crew were just sat on stage and just got people to call in who used to watch who don't watch anymore. Oh my god, and then, why is, and then like literally the whole show was like, Oh, my mental health improved. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was just like, I'm just done, yeah, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm happy now. I got and they're like, Oh, okay, and they're like. Like you can see, Gathered having an ex- existential crisis on stage, where it's like, "Yeah, I helped them, but now they don't need me." What's going on? That's lovely, uh, but also gutting. Like I think it's uh, my husband was saying this morning. Kerry was saying that it's sort of like a weird cousin of the best show, um, because it's got that phone in energy, and like I then ended up spending the whole morning being like, "How do I run a phone in show? How do I run a phone in show? How do we do that? How do I? How do I coax and convince Cassie Delaney to allow me to run a phone in show off of Tall Tales?" Because there is a sort of a diciness, right? You don't know who the fuck is going to call. Or then you have that lovely trustworthy base of people who just call in again and again, right? Like there's a chaos element to that. I mean, isn't it just like, because I was saying before we started uh, recording, like I started running uh, with my friends a network called Hysteria Comedy Network over lockdown just for something to do. And it became, we started having these evening shows. That's what Mm. happened. Like it was just like, and then these like 20 to 30 people who showed up to all the episodes just started becoming like, regulars that would call in and stuff it's like it's so nice and like even getters went back and started doing like twitch streams and stuff where he'd have like people call in you know like he did a sandwich night which is another getter choke tradition where the night before thanksgiving american thanksgiving uh the whole audience just comes to the studio they make sandwiches and people call in and tell what's in your sandwich and it's just like a big community wholesome it's not even like that it's not really funny it's just a wholesome check-in that everyone's part of and he still does it, like even though the show's over, like mm. still checking for everyone to throw this in everyone's sandwiches. I could get behind that. That sounds lovely. I would love to run a call-in <laughs> show very specifically about what people are eating. Oh wow, that's a <laughs> the gears are turning. Yeah. It's like yes, I could, I could do that. Um, but, yeah, the when so when you first watched it, like how did you go from being like, oh my, this this punk bander there, <laughs> fuck these hipsters, to oh this is great. Like what was that bridge like? Well, the YouTube algorithm radicalized me. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Like, kept getting suggestions for it. And it was like at this weird point in my life where I was living in this tiny room in Carlo with a single bed. And I was, uh, yeah, as I was saying, I Carlo. just, I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, started like in a different small rural town than I grew up in, but still in a rural town. Started HRT. I was like this weird, very like teenage point, like a very low point, like massive relationship breakup like just at the like lowest end of my life and it was just like all right okay there's the getter chill <laughs> there's some happiness in community all these episodes happened like five years ago but i'm here you know what i mean and then it just kept going and going and just like there's such a big back catalog of it i think as well so even now you have people who find it and then they just like when they're like down and they just go on a big troll through them and like it, it's it's always fun to watch but it hits different when you're sad i don't know why it just warms you in a weird way. I wonder what that is. Do you find that out? That there's a warmth to it? Oh, it's it's really warm. I haven't watched as much of it as you have. I think the first one I watched was the Slater Kenny episode. Oh, 
which um, in, I think it's probably the first thing I'd properly seen him in and it endeared him to me immediately because he loved Slater Kenny so much and was so nervous about fucking it up. And the whole three <laughs> episode, he's like, I'm messing this up so badly. I'm so sorry. He just gets apologizing to the band. He made them play a game where they had to just call all hand on the bad one. Where they had to keep their hand on a, like a this guy playing the character of a horrible person. And yeah. he was just being a the shit head writer. Yeah. <laughs> the head Who's writer. also in um, Search Party. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, oh, Search Party is things. so good. I don't think I've ever heard yeah. another person talk about he's Search the Party. He's the boyfriend in Search Party. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh, the tall boyfriend? Yeah, yeah. No yeah. way. Yeah, he's the bad one. In, I do, the bad he's one, also yeah. bad yeah. in Search Party. That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. 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 But um, Kenny Wright just touching this guy going, no, we're having fun. We're genuinely having fun. It's okay. And he's like, are you sure? I'm, I'm, I'm messing this up so bad. I'm so sorry. I was like, I, I'm empathizing so hard with this <laughs> Emoting man. Yeah. With this I see myself on screen, finally. <laughs> but it also is weird because he's got this weird dad energy where he's scolding people for misbehaving. He's like, don't embarrass me and run us later, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> I am, um, my favorite, I'm, I'm going to drop a fact. This is my giant blind spot. So mm. I have these tremendous cultural blind spots, um, which the more I discover them, the more I'm like, make this a whole thing i have no i could not hum you a single slater kenny song i have never listened to them they're a thing that people talk about on twitter.com and i'm convinced everyone started talking about them four years ago and they didn't exist before then they reformed because that ago. must be what it was <laughs> yeah. uh don't know um, i don't know who they are <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i feel like me and alan just shared a look that's like we're just gonna cut her out of the <laughs> yeah. and i was like okay so slater kenny are the greatest fan of all time oh yeah. okay seven okay. perfect albums then an excellent album and then two okay ones right. recently but cool. like those first seven seven albums and i've never heard of them yeah. this like is it, amazing it's so good you'd forgive her for portlandia uh, yeah <laughs> le- okay who for is she a writer who what? she's, she's carrie the, from portlandia is, is with her slater kenny Internet is fake. This is <laughs> everybody's in. Everybody's also something yeah, else. Oh my god! Yeah. Everyone's yeah, always yeah. something. Everyone has two jobs. <laughs> yeah. oh. That's bizarro. I really should look these guys up. Um, but yeah. but there is but there's a niceness about watching someone kind of lose their shit in front of their heroes as well. Yeah. Right. You know, and that will bring you wicked close. And I think that set is very alluring as well because it's sort of chaotic, and it does look like somewhere that you could belong. Right? Yeah. That you could just walk in and be like. Oh, this is the space. It's not too. It's like even when they went to cable, they went around and dumpster dived their set. Like they mm. stole stole loads of other late night shows, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, it kind of gave it a vibe. It just made it very open to people. Mm. Yeah. I think that spirit of public access television is sort of like the only reference I have for that really is Wayne's World. Let's be real here. Mm. But I think that that idea of just putting on a show or just being like, I guess we have these really limited resources that we can actually use and maybe there'll be like 15 or 20 people there but it'll still work like something will still happen you know and i think that the way the internet sort of intersects with that is good because podcasts one and two twitch you know i feel like you could do that yeah. and watching something that you could do like a bunch of head balls in, in, a, in mm. a, a room where everything looks kind of disastrous but everything is still good and funny like something that looks manageable like is much more inspiring than something that looks incredibly slick or distant. Do you know? Like I'd rather something rough around the edges. Yeah, I'm I'm always jealous of that whole American heritage of having access to public mm. access. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's access repeated there. It's the word like it's yeah. and but it is so anti-Irish and it's something that like I really see with the Zoomers there, like a generational shift towards like being willing to put themselves out there and just mm. do a thing and it's clearly because of like Instagram like you are the main character mm. I could live broadcast this right now do you know what I mean and it would just look like 
four scrappy people in a room, freshly painted room, um, <laughs> getting moderately loopy on paint fumes and like recording into mics. Do you know what I mean? Like we're always one touch away from a broadcast, which is actually kind of staggering when you think about it. And it will look better than the early episode of Get oh, It. Yeah, and yeah. the sound yeah, will be yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. They had well, the, the sound will be definitely better. Yeah. They had the front bottoms on one time. And uh, so just before the show started, somebody hit the, hit the reset button on the sound desk and all the levels just went levels. So the, <laughs> so the front bottom, it sounds terrible. They had the front, and there was a massive, like this one front bottoms were kind of like, like they're not as big as they are now, I guess, in the alternative scene. But at the same time, they were just cult fan or really mm. getting really big in New Jersey, New York. <laughs> they just fucked it up. And like... Scarlet for everyone concerned, but also rough around the edges, you know? Yeah. It's fine. Everyone's it's fine. fine. So, come here. Would, when, at that point, were you getting into comedy? Had you started moving towards your life as no, a comic the, then? Like, no, totally. The concept of doing stand up, especially in Ireland, especially as a trans woman in Ireland, mm. was just like non existent. And I think that's what, like, it was really like what Getter did. Uh, it's kind of like I've heard the show described as the comedic. Um, having a whole ADAC moment here, uh, like uh, the comedic Velvet Underground. Because oh. anybody who watched it went out and started doing comedy or started doing their own weird thing. Like, it gave you permission to do it. Mm. And it was like, the, yeah, I was saying, like, uh, Little Ways Around. There was trans people around. Like, like it, like by, like, this decade standard, it's not as diverse, but, like, by its own standard. Like, yeah. like, now it's, like, respectable. But, mm. like, then it was, like, so subversive. Like, they had some of the regular audience members were trans. There's loads of trans people in the audience. Um, and it just, like, was, like, oh, that's successful. It was, like, a three-year brainwashing program into making you do stand-up. So when I saw that guy fucking die on stage, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I can I can do that. I've <laughs> I got to give myself permission. You can do it. I can do it. <laughs> and then I did my first gig and got banned for being too smutty. Uh, <laughs> oh, Ireland. <laughs> Ugh, it's devastating. I was once at a poetry show in a living room here, uh, a lovely living room show with an American poet um, in 2019, just before the end the world and uh he does an amazing poem called everyone's got an uncle who's sucked on ginsburg's dick and it's beautiful it's about legacy <laughs> and, uh, i used to cover it in my sets here because uh, irish people would invariably be like did you say the word dick on the stage and he asked the room who were all kind of contemporaries peers and writers you know he's like so put your hand up if you've ever sent a nude these liars this yeah. room of liars <laughs> were all like <gasps> And I was just like, oh my God, lads, like, are you for fucking real? And lo and behold, he paralyzed them all with shame. He, he, <laughs> and he did not mean to do a shame on them. But like Irish people will fully just be like, no anatomical discussions in this room, please. None. Bizarre. <laughs> like, bizarre. Hate it. Hate uh, it. But you went back. Oh. You, you kept going. I kept going. So I started doing other gigs. Like yeah. uh, the likes of Jesters, particularly. Mm. Like, I kind of think I hit a golden era of a particular scene like we're talking about scenes like there was this open mic that was twice a week and twice was, a week yeah yeah and it was just like every tuesday and wednesday it was the same bunch of people showing up and like gigging it and it was like all those people now like are being really pop like it was just like a weird incubator at a certain time i think it was the first time like i did 300 gigs in my first year of, of comedy like, oh my goodness like somebody who started even five years ago that's unimaginable mm. it just happened to be a perfect like like some of those gigs were terrible let's be honest like 
I did. A, I used to do an open mic in rap mines sometimes, and it was like six white dudes with acoustic guitars, and then I'd hop up and start throwing dildos in the audience because <laughs> I knew I had to get their attention somehow. Uh, <laughs> Worth it to be able to tell the story, though. Oh, yeah, you know? like it becomes material, you know. Yeah, it's self. It's just perfectional motion. Self-perpetuating dildos, you know what I mean? It's perfect. Uh, would you ever run a show like The Gathered Yourself? Would that be something you would want to do, like, in a room for real? Because, again, keeping in mind that ring ringmaster status and that, like, keeping everything moving and having to play the editor, like, would that be something you would want to do? I, I think definitely, like, I can really see Gathered's influence on the current scene. And I, like, some of it's through me and through other comics, like, around the scene, like, that in terms of community building and just weirdness. And COVID has made everyone way weirder. It's mm -hmm, fucking mm -hmm. amazing. Like, it's like, everyone's like, fuck the rules. Let's just do weird shit. Uh, so I think it's happening. And to use the parlance of uh, of Getter show, uh, I'll give you guys a little bit of exclusive. We're just about to announce it. Uh, the Hysteria Comedy Network is now the Hysteria Comedy Club, which mm -hmm. is going to start, uh, we're going to be every Friday and Sunday. And it's just an amalgamation of different nights. There's like Token Straight, which is a queer comedy night, Nerd Herd, which is uh, kind of like TED Talks, but funny. You just come in and nerd out about something you're passionate about uh, for 10 minutes. And Comedians Without Borders, which is like more interna international influence nights, sometimes even do language, different language nights, like uh, Portuguese or Spanish or German. Deadly. Like it's all aluminum tins, <laughs> which I love aluminum tins. It's like uh, a show where the MC is called is a millionaire called Anamun Tin, and you are performing for your soul based on an arbitrary <laughs> like like how cool your hair is or like that's amazing. Yeah, like, so it's just yeah. all the weirdness happening, and we are trying to do a once a month hysteria show that's just of everyone playing together. We haven't mm. figured out how that's going to work yet, which is kind of part of the joy of it. Mm. But if you put all of those things surely together for 10 minutes, right? That you do 10 minutes, I mean, in 10, 10 minutes of the nerd lectures, right? 10 yeah. minutes of, you. if you stitch all of those together, you could do a variety hour, you know, or a variety two hours, like with an intermission. Definitely. You, know? you just get, we'll just get weird. I think we're going to like book hosts, like uh, like guest hosts, and then just make it weird on the, their particular brand of weirdness based on everything around that. That's lovely. That yeah. variety sounds format sounds fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, you guys can go play. Anybody can play. You at home, you can come play. <laughs> you listener. You listener. Please you talk to come. my comedy. But, but, but you should also broadcast it. You know, you should stick, stick a Twitch stream in the background. I don't know, but this is the thing. It's like, that's the thing. Like, we started doing stuff like this based on that. Like, I sent Getter an email last year when we did Token Sisters Dublin Fringe uh, saying how he had inspired our scene oh. thing. And like, his grandparents left Ireland, whatever, how many years ago, and like him leaving, but then he directly influenced and allowed a trans scene to develop. Like that's it, like full cause, circle. Because like when I started doing stand up comedy, there weren't really like like and MJ Stokes was doing some stand up down at Poetry Nights in Waterford. Mm -hmm. Neil Farrell had done a show Queer Spain, but wasn't really in the stand up scene. Lady K had come before me and left. You know what I mean? Because of so. I don't know. I'm not going to go into their more, but they prefer the cabaret scene for obvious, more queer-friendly reasons. Mm. So then as soon as we had enough trans people, I took a I took a leaf out of Papa Get's page and like, <laughs> and like was it going? We're doing a we're doing going to do trans gold at Comedy Gold. We did it all trans comedy night, yeah. and it was just just like, no, we're going to be a scene. We're not going to be fighting to be the token trans person on the lineup. We're no. going to be together and make something cool. Build the show. Yeah. yeah. 
So he emailed back saying, uh, <laughs> saying, oh, that brought a tear to my eye. And then hey. I was like, yeah, making middle-aged men cry is kind of my thing, <laughs> yes. which I don't think he liked. But uh, <laughs> I was like, God damn, I blew it. Just gotta stop talking to my comedy heroes. <laughs> <laughs> But that's savage, like that he that you got to tell him. Do you know? I mean, like, that's him. Like he's the most accessible person possible. But isn't like, that terrifying? They didn't meet. Like I'm like prepared. I've had a couple of really nice meet your heroes experiences. One where I was frozen with terror and didn't say anything, which is kind of the best experience to have with a hero, where you're just mm. sitting quietly beside them and get to kind of experience creepily sitting beside them and then move on and nobody saw you and it wasn't weird but i've also had some really nice meeting my heroes experiences where they turned out to be really fucking sound but i equally would be terrified that they would be just a monster or dismissive do you know what i mean yeah. like that would be really scary and i'm so glad that he wasn't if chris captain was a monster that would be a hell of a long con like, oh, <laughs> i think we should start the rumor that he is a monster secretly. <laughs> you heard it here first like this has actually been like a, a oh is uh was the episode that i listened today about having a beef off is Oh, yeah, like that was the one I watched. Today. That's amazing. Episode. Yeah, yeah. Greatest dancer, well, Robin Malone. Like, <laughs> he's just so weird. Like, he's so good as well for like, t- like developing a character out of like seeing somebody's random thing and like, mm. turning it into a character. You know what I mean? Like, well, UCB have those nights. Like, those they have, they have a night called Characters Only, where everybody just brings a character oh, every week amazing. and they just do that. Oh, wow. That's a weekly show in UCB. Yeah. Oh. So I, you can see that in like stuff like Vacation Jason and The Human Fish and all those kind of like one name things that are just. He's, right he's, he's, he is his name. That's who he is. This person, yeah, like that. Some of the recurring bits in the show like, are just amazing. Like, mm. yeah, like Riley Solomon plays Vacation Jason, who mm. just this character was a one-off. Like Riley was writing the show, and it's like, oh, we need a character. It's just this guy who shows up wearing Hawaiian shirts. I'm Vacation Jason, <laughs> and then it's just like, and you're too relaxed. He's like a real intense character. And he's using Getter needing sick vacation because he's not relaxed. <laughs> and the audience loved it so much and Gethard hated it but the audience loved it so much he just kept bringing it and it turned into like an every week kind of character that would show up his kind of nemesis we had like an arc towards the end as well like where yeah. he like kidnapped the human fish in, in One Man's Trash yeah it's, uh, if, if you watch One Man's Trash which is maybe one of my top five episodes of any television show ever I think it's the greatest R.I.P.D. ever but yeah. yeah yeah no but I had a really hard time with it again I'm not going to add yeah. to the yeah. same <laughs> issue but I have I have come a long way I've come a long way in the last day or so mm. but I had a hard time with it because I don't know who anybody is oh okay so this mm. is my big my big problem is I don't have face blindness do I? but I also don't know who anyone is so when people say a bunch of names at me that I don't know I feel like I have like a rage bar that starts getting more and more full until I sort of like end up doing a summoning and being like, I don't know what these people are. I don't know who this is. Why is this funny? And I leave. So that's what happened to me watching that the first time I was like, I think you do need a little bit of familiarity with uh, Chris Gettys' personality and Jason Manzoukas' personality. So I didn't know who the fuck Jason Manzoukas was when I watched this. Okay. Who Jason I don't For people know. listening at home. Okay, Sarah no longer gets to speak. I'm coming to her podcast. So, I, I'm also a woman, so I can t- I can silence her. Alan's just gonna sit there and be okay. He's I know, just gonna enable this. I know, I now know who Jason Manzoukas is because he's the hot, stupid fella from the good place. Yes. That's all, right? That's the only context that I have for him now. But at mm. the time it was like, I don't know now I I understand that something quite incredible happened in the one man's trash thing. Yeah. Mm. But it took me a minute to get to appreciating it because I was like <laughs> See, Paul Shearer so, and Jason Mazzucas are like MVP guest stars in every single thing they appear in because they're very funny yeah especially like in the league uh, they're the two stand-up guys in the league uh, they spent decades improvising yeah, yeah like, they, so they, they were like they mentioned that, that episode like they basically 
but some of the people who built the UCB theatre brick by brick, like they're mm. OG guys. Yeah. Mm. Um, but they have personas, and you if you're you do need to be slightly familiar with the, the personas, and to get, I guess, what they're doing to each other. Yeah, well, yeah. and to understand that it it is a bit and not. I I don't yeah. think because like that's always the episode. Like if you want to get into the Getter Show, go listen to Once My Tracks. When I always say, you're the first person who's ever come back to me and said they didn't get it. I just <laughs> I have broke brain. I broke brain. Because Sometimes it, things go over my head. It's just the older brothers like ragging on the little brother. That's mm. the dynamic. It's these two guys. Like Get was this 19 year old kid that showed up. They were established in the theater, and you can see that dynamic like 20 year, 10 years later, like where they're just like they're in their 30s now. And they're just ragging on him like he's the kid. And it's just cute. And then the whole premise of the episode is they brought it, one of those big weedy trash cans in. Like, you know, like an alley thing. And there's like, people are phoning in and trying to guess what's in it. And it's so stupid. I don't know. Can we spoil it? Do we, we spoil it? No, we won't. We won't, we won't spoil it. We won't see what's in there. But what's in there is totally worth it. Yeah. It's... And the best part of the show is when they decided, because Paul Shearer and Jason Duke have been very adversarial for the first half of the episode. And then they're like, and we're going to show Paul Shearer what's in the dumpster. And Paul Shearer's face immediately is like that, you know, like drama face, like hand over sad, hand over yeah, happy. Yeah. It's like, sure, what I don't give a shit what's in this too. Oh my God. Yeah, and everybody needs to know what's in this dumpster. The stakes change. Yeah, yeah. The stakes change immediately. And it's just one of my favorite moments of any television ever is when Paul Shearer sees what's in the dumpster. <laughs> I'm going to respectfully go back and watch this again with this information and this context. Yeah. Because I've I watched it like, like four times. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, Kerry loves it as well. And mm. he's, just, he's just like, what, what, is, what is missing for you here? <laughs> what is missing for you here? And I'm just like, what is missing for me? Like, that is the big question, really. What is missing for me? But um, yeah, that delight face thing is kind of magic, isn't it? Mm. You know, where you're just like, oh shit, something, something actually just happened there. Yeah, yeah. But the best thing is like that moment is two hours into a taping because that yeah. for that particular season they weren't doing normally like the later cable shows and all the public access it was just an hour live what happened happened but on that sort of is that the second season of yeah. cable yeah uh, they're still on Fusion I think yeah. they're on Fusion TV and uh, they hadn't switched to a different network cable uh, cable network later but um, they were doing like were tapings and then taking the best hour out of it. Wow. So they had all been in there for a minute. Oh, it was like a yeah. four-hour-long recording. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, uh, but everybody loved it. That's like they, those people were so good in the room that they managed to keep people entertained for four hours, mm. which just tells you how funny that is. That's amazing. But like just people calling in and just trolling and derailing. And like I've been the host. Like you get John Spillane <laughs> and some some of the some of the, the mob theater gang on your show, like I did during the streaming, like Quarantine. They will derail you and it's fun and you're meant to go with it, but you can't go with it because you're the host. So it's like, it's like, it will Gentle break. adversarial. Gentle adversarial. <laughs> Actually, rise. I kind of understand what you might feel because I remember the first few times I listened to Comedy Bang Bang. Yeah. I'd be like, why is Scott Orkman saying what he's saying? He like... What is he, he, he keeps on, like, he would... I realize now his thing is to ask really awkward detailed questions and it brings the character out that the person is doing. But it was always like, why isn't he letting the character be who they are? He was like always like guiding. You get like focus in on like a character would mention a coat he's wearing offhand, and he would just get obsessed with the coat, okay. and it would drive the episode fully. But it would be so annoying if he didn't realize that that's this it. is a decision he's making, and he's not just being a weirdo about it. But I think yeah. we've like we've had this conversation before, where like I went through. I'm an OG uh, listener of the uh, of the McElroys, which every so often I'm like they've become so uncool recently. But I listened to my brother, my brother and me. And, the very, the very, very beginning of it, which is ostensibly just three men sitting around 
answering questions, answering like uh, uh, write in questions or, or Yahoo answers also. Um, it's very insular. It's got a really specific vocal cadence. The three voices you cannot determine who the fuck is who largely. Um, but again, something arrives in your life at a time when you're deeply isolated. I was living in California. I didn't know anybody. And uh, I found, and it's weekly. Yeah. So I found it really funny and really holistic. I also have a really broken sense of humor as well. Like I am, I am very hard to make laugh. And I loved it. But then trying to show it to people mm. is really tricky. Trying to show people something that you find funny is really kind of exposing because like, what if they don't find it funny? What if they don't get it? What if they do what I just did where it's like, I don't know who these people are, you know, like that's really fucking tricky, you know? And obviously McElroy's sort of hit capacity and kind of gone the other way in and all that, the, the moment is kind of gone for, for them, for me as well. Um, but it is, it is really tricky when you're trying to be like, no, no, that's just how that person is. Mm. That's how that person is. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I it, You kind of have to lean it, lean towards it rather than lean away from it. Yeah, you have to yes know? and it. You have to mm-hmm. yes and it. Yeah. But I, I, I actually... Because I'm too late to the McElroy buzz. Ah, like, I, can, too. I, I'm too, I just, I don't get it. The internet like, has poisoned yeah. it as well. This is, where, yeah. this is the hill I get cancelled on. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Like, I, I, lo- I fell out of love, like, completely. And then the internet kept, the internet discovered it around the time that I lost it. And I was like... Oh God, was it always like this? Shit. <laughs> you know, like it's, and it is tricky. Also weird laugh over in, during, they were on Chris Geddard's streaming network during lockdown as well. Oh, loads. Right. Yeah, they pop up with the regular contributors. Hmm. Tiny world. Tiny world. Comics. Comics, know? no comics. Yeah, That's yeah. What the, you were talking about meeting your heroes earlier. And it's so weird. Because like, as a trans woman, I just presume every one of my heroes hates me. Yeah. No. <laughs> there gotta so be some like, good boys out there. Yeah. You know. <laughs> We'll give Gather to five. Gather's the only one that, uh, but anyway, yeah. Like, I'm really glad he was fucking sound. Yeah, he's mm. very, very sound. Um, but And all that cast and work was kind of digitally, that's the weird gift of lockdown was getting to meet those people and get to know some of them weirdly. Because like they are so open to be like, there's such an open community. And like with the internet, it's, it's so easy to like connect with people. Fully democratized. I mean? And I guess if they came up in these scrappy scenes, like and I feel this having my having experienced it. I'm always like it's a it's a hole that is in you. Then you're always looking for a scrappy scene. Then once you've yeah. been in one, and mm. when you see one, you're like, what if I just dip my toe in for a second? <laughs> and then that would be lovely. And then I'll go back. So there's a lovely. They must still want that feeling, you know, exactly. like of belonging to something. Yeah. So exactly that's it. Just comedians are. I hate the stereotype, but comedians are broken people. They need some validation <laughs> or some sort of kinship from somewhere. And sometimes it manifests like this. But uh, I think um, as well, when we're talking about McAl- McElroy's, mm. and like, in general, just in- improv. Because improv is such an American... Like, I know stand-up is an American art form, but it's been in Ireland and the UK been exposed for over 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, the Irish scene really... The modern Irish scene really starts in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. But um, improv is so alien to Irish people. So I think there's... A language of comedy that we don't understand that you have to get into and i think the mcelroys are very much within that mold yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure and um, even you saying the yes and thing like i know that from like mortifying youth theater brain but by and large i, I would imagine yes and is not just common parlance is it is it a thing that everybody I think it's knows kind of everybody a show, but i think by now possibly by is. now possibly also who signs it anyway was a british show before it was an american oh my show. fucking god it's who signs it anyway but that's a different type of oh that's, that's a short, that's short a, form we're yeah. gonna get into short on episode. versus long let's talk about the herald guys Dell close can we talk about Dell close it's like get proper comedy nerd everyone's just switching off it's like no no don't get 
don't talk about things that are funny in an unfunny theoretical way. Yeah. Everyone loves that. Who's <laughs> your favorite mod team? Mod team? <laughs> so, yeah. I actually would love to do an episode on who's lines it anyway because Ooh. I do. I do. Oh, I was obsessed. Obsessed with it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like just laughing alone in the dark in my teenage bedroom, watching it at night, like just unbelievable. Also, uh, I've forgotten his name, but uh, one of them is uh, his, his daughter came out as trans. Sorry. And he's just like the best ally ever. Mm. He's just like, he's just like, it's so sweet to oh, see. I hope it's Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I like him. Oh, the bald one? Colin Mockery. Yeah, Colin Mockery has a trans daughter. A good, good like dad. Dean, and, and he's like the best dad. He's like the best ally. He's just like, going at trolls online and stuff. It's like, yeah, we love to see ourselves a protected parent of a trans person. Excellent. Nice. Excellent. Right, any part, I guess we've been probably talking for a bazillion years. Are you mm. any parting notes on The Gethard Show before we uh, evaporate oh, the, into... The bands all slap on us. Oh, oh the band. And the house band. Yeah. The LLC. Yeah. LLC has literally New Jersey and New York punk rock royalty just mashed together into, mm. like, if people from the Ergs, the Unlovables, all these amazing punk... Like actually, just think that's probably the biggest influence to get a show in my life. Yeah. Not just comedians, it's just like, oh, the music I listened to. So mm. just what was cool in New York in the 2010. This morning, I was so shocked by how punk all the music was. I was like, what? What is happening here? Hold on. <laughs> like, this has come out of nowhere. Like, not that it tonally jars, but it's like very uncommon to see a punk band in that context, I guess. It'd normally be like yeah. poppier or something. But no, it's, no, it's, it's just it's noise. It's mostly <laughs> punk and alt hip hop is kind of what yeah. he seems to like. Yeah. Kind of some, some, sometimes a bit gimmicky New York arty hip hop like on yeah. that what was that guy on the end of a man's trash they only show a little bit of it. I'm 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 not gonna bad mouth. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not saying it's bad. It was it was gimmicky. But like say priests on the Theater Kenny episode or uh, were, the Charlie Bliss set. That that priest of and breathing. Yeah. And like it, obviously it's breathing as in like the kink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, it's the same night that um. I, I'm, Actually, I feel so guilty. I've forgotten his name, but a, a black man had been killed by cops in New York, and George that's like, Floyd? Uh, it wasn't George Floyd. Was, uh, I think also maybe it was George Floyd. No, George Floyd is modern. Wait, yeah, sorry, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I thought you meant recently. Truly yeah. an American. It's truly American experience. Yeah, which yeah, black which man one? Like, yeah, yeah. The cops. So that's mm. yeah. Anyway, but it, so this weird fact, that, and then like they didn't know what to do, and then in the middle of this. Uh, Priests come out and do and greeting this song and the chorus is like and greeting and wearing t-shirts about it and stuff like that and it's just like Eric Garner Eric Garner oh, wow. yeah. 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 yeah but it, it's like weird context like that mm. weird moments and time capsules but it's just so odd like it's like there was that amazing episode of where I'm nervous all the time have you guys ever seen that episode no so what happens is it, like he introduces the show and then for ten minutes the audience a chance just starts out of the cheer of like this is the Chris Gatto show whatever the cheer and all the chance to eat more butts chance starts for 10 minutes oh <laughs> and it's amazingly hilarious and then Jeff Rosenstock uh who's Ooh. this amazing probably yeah. from I know from Bond Music Industry as well mm-hmm. um he's that band there and the band start like riffing to eat more butts and then they just go into their song after like so it's like the first 15 minutes of the show is essentially Eat more butts, followed by like punk. it's the most punk thing you've ever seen. It's so weird and it's hilarious. And somehow in cap, like that should not work for fifteen minutes. But mm-hmm. the energy is just so enthusiastic. Yeah, so I think it's magic. The yeah. finish on Gator Show. That's a good note. Eat more yeah. butts. <laughs> <laughs> Ali, uh, promote stuff, please. Oh, so, uh, yeah. you can find take us out on all social media at, at Hysteria Ireland and uh, you'll get to see all the cool shows we come up coming up mm. and all the weirdness. If you want a bit of 
Irish-influenced uh, Chris Geddard magic, I guess, come along. I'm not saying we're Chris Geddard. That was really weird. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to see more of that comedy bullshit, just come along. Uh, you can find me at Ali.O'Rourke and Ali underscore work on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Sarah, where can we find you? Oh, I'm in my house still all the time. Um, my books are in all good bookstores, Fire and Vampires, in other words, for smoke. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Grifsky, but you shouldn't follow me there because I intend to leave. So please come to my Instagram where I post pictures of my beautiful dog, uh, at Sarah Grifsky. If you like zines in the mail once every couple of months, my Patreon is Zine Club. Alan. Uh, I'm Alan underscore McGuire everywhere. Juvenalia, Juvenalia underscore pod on Twitter, Juvenalia pod on Instagram. Uh, thank you, Dee McDonald, for our artwork. Thanks, Dee. Thank you to Amelia. Oh, us. thanks, Amelia. Uh, we're Tall Tales Podcast. We have a Patreon. There's bonus episodes on there. Which we're getting really good at doing. Um, yeah. And normally it's it tends to be fairly boozy video game talk. So you should come and mm-hmm. hang out with us there. Uh, we're doing a live show. Oh my God, we're doing a live show. Uh, it's weeks. very exciting in October two weeks. October 30th. We don't have a guest confirmed yet, but we will soon. Yeah, we've got high hopes. And my dog is going to be there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Weaver's going to come. It's part of the Creep Dive's big uh, sound spectacular. Spooktacular, sorry. Yeah, so it's us and Andrea. No. No, it's us and the Creeps. Yeah. Excellent. And a movie. Yeah, and other stuff as well that hasn't been announced. Oh, it's like, loads of bits. There's loads of stuff. Go yeah. to yeah, Creep Dive's Patreon has it all. Big day out. Yeah. In a field. And, and costumes. costumes. And in your banana man costume. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm going to bring back my Virgin Mary uh, costume from the dead. What do you think? I was planning on like a vacation Jason type thing. Ah. My wife went, you will die if you wear shorts and sandals in October 30th. But it could, be 16, it, degrees, could be, it could so be 16 degrees. So we live yeah. in the end of the world. It's so we will see. Let's we'll presume see. the weather will yes and you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Bye, everybody. Bye.